Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn... You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarchek. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Are we all here? Uh, Welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're having some technical difficulties today. Apologize for that. Not sure why uh, these things unfortunately happen from time to time. We've been uh, very lucky uh, in terms of our history with with the shows and stuff, but we're we're trying to... uh, uh, get through it. Uh, my co-host, uh, Mark Warner, should be popping in any second. Um, uh, yes, so I am. Again. Okay, there we go. All right. So, so my uh, my uh, microphone is not being recognized by the software today. So I just had okay. to call back in. It is showing uh, live on the air now, and before it, it wasn't. Dana's been trying to call in, and it's telling him that the show hasn't started, even though it's showing that it is. I'm wondering if uh, Mr. Blog Talk Radio needs to work on his link uh, in his downtime. Okay. Has Dana tried to call back again? I do not have him in the queue yet, sir. Okay. Okay. Because I didn't get that message at all uh, a couple minutes ago. So Mark Scheid will be calling in five minutes. So, uh, just to give a rundown, if you will, uh, in, in terms of the trade deadline, the big news, Patrick Eves going to the Stars, to the Anaheim Ducks, for one of the Ducks' uh, second-round picks. I believe they have three of them. Uh, the, the Stars will acquire the middle, where the middle of that pick falls. If the Ducks do get to the Western Conference Finals, and Patrick Eves plays in at least half the games, uh, that becomes a first-round pick. Uh, a good, uh, you know, even though it was a little pricey, considering Patrick Eves' injury history, the fact he's been battling injuries, although he's having a really good year this year, especially on the power play, 
Uh, hey, I see Dana Lane. The Ducks had a bank, but okay, let's get Dana in. Uh, uh, let's get Odd Dana morning in. Yeah, hey guys, I, I I don't know what happened. I tried calling in the first couple times, and it said that the show hadn't started yet. So I sent uh, sent a text, but I thought I'd try it one more time before I went. So I, I realized we have probably have uh, very little time, but I didn't want to neglect my responsibility. Well, sir, we appreciate your due diligence. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of a wonky deal on the, the blog talk this morning. I don't want to slander our provider here. No, but, no, uh, no. My usual mic uh, is not being picked up. I actually called the show as a guest and then had to click myself through um, using the software to even get me. And then it wasn't doing the on-air countdown, even though it was showing me and Chris that the show was live. So we're yeah. here now, and let's, uh, okay. let's look a let's little roll. bit uh, – UNLV hockey last night winning their first round game. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. A tighter than expected tilt at the barn, huh? Well, I mean, we have uh, even more of an update on that because because of that uh, that late game last night, uh, there was an ACHA rule that they cannot that two teams cannot play uh, twelve hour. They need a twelve hour window to uh, to before they can play their next game. So. The last game last night between Weber State and Northern Colorado uh, didn't didn't end until late here Pacific time. Uh, so unfortunately, or fortunately for UNLV, they had to get up and play the early game at 8:45 this morning. And, and good news for the Rebels, they they beat Denver today five to two, and they will be advancing to the uh, the Nationals in Columbus, Ohio, starting on the 9th of March. All right. Well, I'm like a full game behind. I was packing up my truck and moving stuff to a new, a new dwelling um, this morning. I wanted to get a couple trips in before we did the show today, and I sure. didn't even see that they had got their uh, 8:45 faceoff, and they're already done. So congratulations uh, to UNLV, which we figured they'd get their two wins and be moving along, and they've done just that. Um, when does the when do the Nationals start? So I don't miss that one as well. Huh. Uh, that, the Nationals will start on March 9th. They will run through the 9th through the 19th. And where UNLV um, is going to be playing and when they're going to be playing is yet to be determined. Uh, incidentally, that was a 6-2 final. If I said 5-2 final earlier, but 6-2, he got an empty netter. Um, so we'll find out. And it's Division 1, 2, and 3 club hockey uh, at that tournament, both men's and women's. So I'm sure that they have to figure this out and – uh, there's one game to go uh, tonight uh, from the uh, regional that that also has to be, that probably is going to determine where UNLV is going to play. But uh, good news, good news for them. I know that Coach Greener and uh, or Big Nary Greener and and Z Khan and Nick Raboni have worked extremely hard with this group. It's it's been a little bit difficult after the break getting them back up to that level that they enjoyed beforehand. But like we discussed last week. Um, I think going to the regional was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to this Rebel team. And I think that uh, I haven't talked to the guys yet, but I'm sure their confidence is sky high. Love it. Love it. Um, I see, I see our guest Mark Scheig is on the queue. You want to do a little bit of uh, on the fly blue jackets talk since we didn't get to have much time with you earlier in the segment and just hang around, well, hang around and I, chime in or do you have time? I, I'll, I, I'll tell you what, I, I do have a, another show I got to do at, at 12.05, so I just wanted to do this really quick. I'd be more than happy to do that at any time. I just kind of schedule these together. But um, sure. 
uh, as far as just real quick on George McPhee, I mean, we had a chance to talk to him this week, and and, and George is a he has an assassin like patience. I, I can say that about George, and I think that he's gonna. Uh, even <laughs> though there's been some, uh, you know, debate about whether they could be involved in a trade deadline or not, uh, the bottom line is from George is they are gonna be involved. They have been fielding calls. They George says he gets about two an hour from general managers. So mm-hmm. the wheeling and dealing has begun, regardless if it's at the trade deadline or be beyond that. So that that's the McPhee update. Well, you can get your uh, your handshake deals in now. Yeah. without violating anything. And then once the the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, roll around, it's open for business, and you just touch base again and say, yeah, we're still not going to take that player. You're still going to give us a second. And whatever whatever they do, um, you don't want to be – you don't want to be in violation of the thing. And when the paperwork goes through and the check gets cashed, then it's, then it's all hands on deck and we're ready to rock and roll. Well, I will say this. I'll say this uh, quickly. Um, there are a couple deals, judging by the tone of his uh, voice, there are a couple deals that are imminent as far as just waiting for this last payment to go through. And as soon as it goes through, they're good to go. And I think there's some deals that are on the table right now that he would like to pull the trigger on. Nice. Nice. Well, well, we'll talk to you next week. I'll let you go okay, do bro. the other show. I'm sure, I'm sure they won't be quite as uh, informed no, as no. the Vegas Hockey Podcast, but Not do your all. best. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right man. Man. we'll talk next week. Thanks okay, for coming in. We appreciate it. Yes, you sir. too. All right. Well, that was a short deal, and I seem to have dropped Mark out of the queue, so I don't see him to go into our very next segment. This is a definite. Uh, I, sent, I sent him an email right before you said you see, I saw him in the queue. If he could call back at three o five, but then when he okay. was in the queue, I. I uh, so I would imagine uh, he'll be calling back any moment, uh, very shortly. Well, good news for Rebels fans. Uh, early this morning, it seems like they've already advanced into the Nationals out of the Regionals for the ACHA Collegiate Club Hockey National Championship. Um, that was good news. That was good news. I hadn't, you know, like I said, I've been busy uh, packing the garage up and moving it, moving it out moving to a, a spot that's a little bit closer to where my daughter is going to be going to high school uh, next year. She did get accepted into uh, the Faith Lutheran High School here in Las Vegas, which is, you know, we're real proud of her for that. So we're trying to make things easier on the mom, getting her closer to the school and, and you know, lighten her load as she runs the kid all over town for her karate and her school and, and all the other good stuff that she does for my daughter. Um, so I was involved in that this morning and missed the rebel face off, but uh, that'll be, that'll be good times. We're going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to the UNLV hockey team and see if we can get their general manager Z con on the show in the, in the, the week before the national start, because we've been in touch you know, back and forth a little bit here as, as he came down right away last summer. And then we've kept in touch not off and on as the season progressed. So I think we'll be able to get a, a good look ahead into the nationals. Maybe we'll get a combo Z-Con Dana Lane episode and extend that first segment by just a little bit. But now I see Mark Scheig is on the line and I'm going to go ahead and bring in our guest today and talk a little Blue Jackets hockey. Mark, Good to have you on the show again, sir. Welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. It's great to be back. Appreciate the time. Oh, as always, we're fighting our way through some wonky uh, 
funky connections this morning, sir. So we do apologize for any inconveniences that may or may not occur as we go forward through the show. Um, we've had some trouble getting my microphone recognized by the software and I'm actually calling into the show as a guest of the show. Um, ah. And then I saw you come in and drop out a couple times and uh, you know, we've been fighting a little bit this morning, but I think we're, I think we're good to go now. Um, let's jump right sure. into the, the blue jackets talk, I guess. Hot topic, hot topic right now is trade deadline. What do you see them doing here uh, in the last last 48 hours or so before the deadline? You know, honestly, if you were expecting big fireworks, um, I think that um, you, you're paying attention to the wrong team. I really don't think that given where they are at as a franchise, still being one of the youngest teams in the league – I just don't think they're in a position to you know, kind of swing for the fences at this point. Um, I think management's generally happy with where they're at as a franchise. If you see a move or two, it would maybe be for depth. I mean, I recently wrote a piece, you know, a predictions piece, kind of wondering, you know, who are they going to bring in? I thought of a guy like Matt Nieto, just for instance, out in Colorado. I mean, obviously Colorado's not going anywhere but if you want to add a little bit of depth to your bottom six, maybe a little bit of speed, you look at somebody like that who's probably available for very cheap. I mean, Colorado got him off of waivers. I couldn't imagine that being like more than like a fourth or fifth round pick or something like that to bring somebody like him on board. But I just don't see the big um, fish coming in at all. I mean, I know Matt Duchesne's name has been mentioned a little bit. Link to the Blue Jackets as a dark horse candidate. Just I don't see them paying the price for that to – trade an established defenseman, a prospect, and a first-round pick, just knowing that the expansion draft is coming and you're going to lose a player like that. I just don't that, – that doesn't go with the message that the Blue Jackets are portraying right now. So um, come trade deadline day, I honestly expect maybe a depth move or two, maybe a backup goalie. I think today's start for Jonas Corposalo against the Islanders is actually – somewhat interesting to watch now because it'll be a chance to see him one more time before the trade deadline. Will they go after a backup goaltender if something were to happen to Bobrovsky today might go a long way for that. All right. We're listening. We're talking with Mark Scheid from the hockey riders. Um, you can follow Mark Scheid. I'm trying to bring it up right now. Go ahead and give your Twitter and, and your links over at the hockey riders. So everyone can hook up with you. Yeah, um, thehockeywriters.com is a site we have. Actually, now over 120 writers throughout the world. You know, it's pretty neat there. And then you can catch me on Twitter at thwmark. Fantastic, fantastic. Let me go ahead and bring Chris in. I know he's got a lot of a lot of questions for you today. Chris, jump right in and, and kick us off. Sure thing. Great. It's great having you back on the show, Mark. Uh, so you know the the Blue Jackets, as you know. Uh, a couple of years ago, I guess more than a couple now, uh, when they had that great series against Pittsburgh, it looked like they were going to be one of the budding future teams in the East, and uh, they've had a couple of down years, if you will, non-playoff years, and now they're back in the swing of things. But this is also a franchise, I believe, that's never won a playoff series. So what are, you know, and, and granted, they're in the Metro, which is just a brutal division. Uh, so what are the realistic expectations, I mean, for this team, which seems pretty assured of a playoff spot, uh, do they do they have to win a series uh, this year to call it a successful one, or uh, just getting back to the postseason in this division, uh, 
could be uh, firm footing in terms of moving forward? Chris, that's a wonderful question, honestly. Um, I think a lot of people at the beginning of the year never saw the kind of season that they're having coming right now. Um, so, so now that they are at this point, 79 points, only a point back of the Rangers, only three points back of the Penguins in that vaunted Metro division, you know, do they need to win a series? Actually, I really don't think so. I mean, obviously that's what they want to do. I feel like that the team overall has maybe raised the bar a little bit. I mean, they were hoping that the veterans would come in this year and have a much better year this year, which they have. But then the contributions that they've gotten from the young guys, like the Zach Wierenski and Josh Anderson, has really put them in a position now, you know, where they can um, make a run in, at the playoffs, you know, depending on the matchup. I mean, right now, if the playoffs were to begin, I mean, for the longest time, they were favored to play against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, if the playoffs were to start today, they actually would go on the road at Montreal, even though they have seven more points than Montreal. I feel like that they can beat Montreal in a series. Um, to answer your question, though, I definitely feel like that the expectation has changed some. Or they probably should feel like they can win a series. I mean, even though they are the youngest team in the league, they've proven they can play with anybody. I mean, when you have a goaltender like Sergei Bobrovsky back there, who's one of Vezina, who can get hot at any time, when you have a defense now, granted they're young, but you have anchor pieces in Seth Jones and Wierenski, and you have career years with Jack Johnson and David Savard at this point, and you have a former number two overall pick in Ryan Murray playing on your third pairing, you know, that's pretty good depth right there. You know, so they easily could win a series. Um, you know, we'll see, though. We'll see what happens here. You brought up a good point. I thought of this recently, and it's it's very ironic. And we saw this uh, at the end of last year. You didn't get much. You got a little bit of play with the Islanders and the Rangers being so close of who would be the wild card and who would be the three seed. And the Islanders wound up being the wild card and going to the Atlantic and getting Florida, and the Rangers wound up being the three seed and getting Pittsburgh. And, you know, at this point, look, you got to play the games to win. Um, nothing is assured. Uh things you don't want to go into a losing streak but uh anyone uh who's following the nhl this year if you had your brothers and i offered columbus or the ranger fans you can go through the atlantic uh granted you'd be on the you, you wouldn't be uh you'd be on the road the whole time and you'd get montreal and then if you win that series you might even get a lesser opponent uh whereas if you get that three seed uh, you're you're going to get probably Pittsburgh, and, oh, if you wind up beating them, then you'll get Washington. It's kind of an interesting dilemma to have. I know you have to play the games out. Maybe as it gets to that last week, I'll be wondering if there'll be some jockeying, jockeying by the team. So what do you think about uh, that weird scenario that's kind of unfolding? I hate I hate the standings the way that they are, at least the way they do play. <laughs> this is just absolutely – ridiculous just to be blunt but yeah there are just there are some weird scenarios in play i mean check check this out so in the metro you have two and the three you know which could be pittsburgh could be columbus could be the rangers you have a scenario in play if you have five metro teams making the playoffs that the entire road to the stanley cup final is all metro teams so look at it from Washington's standpoint. If Washington plays the Islanders, let's say, in the first round, let's say they 
get the second wild card. So there's your Metro team. Then you play the two, three winner. There's a Metro team. And then if that Metro team that goes across to the Atlantic wins the first two series there, you have an Eastern conference final of Metro versus Metro. I mean, how odd is that? that you, you have that situation. Then you brought up a great point about the lesser teams in the, in the Atlantic right now. I know that, you know, the standings have a lot to do with that, but still, it seems like that that's an advantage to kind of go over to the Atlantic, you know, knowing it would be a little bit of an easier path, just knowing how vaunted that metropolitan division is. I'll tell you this though, Columbus is not looking at it that way. All they care about right now is looking at it one day at a time. I know it's cliche, but Torrell has been on record even today in his press conference, he reiterated all they care about is the next game. And then the next day after that, they don't care about, playoff seedings or standings or anything like that. They're just focused on themselves and they'll, you know, kind of play it as it comes. Um, I will add though, that these first five games out of the bye for them is going to be huge. Actually will kind of dictate where they might go, whether it be, you know, second, third in the Metro or you know, even in the wild card, they actually have to play the Islanders today, then the Rangers, then Montreal, then Minnesota, than Ottawa. That's five really good teams coming out of the bye. Boy, if they somehow lose those five games, I wouldn't call it panic. I think they're still in really good shape being like 11, 13 points into the playoffs. But, oh boy, uh, they were near the top of the standings for a while. Don't do well out of the bye. And all of a sudden, now you might be looking at a wild card. You know, So we'll see what happens. We'll see how they come out here. I got one more for you, Mark, before I hand you back over to my partner there. Uh, you mentioned yeah. about the trade deadline for the Blue Jackets, but in terms of as a whole, you know, outside of the, the sellers that we know, you know, Arizona, Detroit, and Dallas that have pieces left uh, in terms of trading pending UFAs like Thomas Vanek or Patrick Sharp and the like, and what St. Louis does with Kevin Shattenkirk, who's also a pending UFA, any Anything else of significance to happen by the Wednesday 3 p.m. Uh, trade deadline? I mean, I guess the, the the big one being with Colorado and either Matt Duchesne or Carrie or Landeskog? I really don't think so, Chris. Um, I just think that there's too much. Well, right now the prices are high. So we're, the fact that nothing's happened there yet is just a result of what the Avalanche are demanding back for players like Duchesne and Landeskog. You know, the price obviously might go down as the trade the line gets there, but they're not, Sackick's just not going to give those players away. I mean, he, he needs to feel like that he actually improves his team. And you're talking about, especially in Duchesne, two really good players. You're not just going to give them away for free. So I really don't expect those to be deadline deals there unless you get an overhaul back with the expansion um, draft just kind of looming over everybody and even more the possibility of a flat cap. I'm just not sure that teams are going to be as willing to pull the trigger on, on a big deal, just with too much uncertainty out there. I mean, they have their own situations they have to worry about. I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that. It's just my honest expectation is that we're going to have a pretty ho-hum boring deadline. You know, maybe someone comes up last minute and, you know, surprises somebody, but, I just don't see it right now. Well, for a long time, um, the expansion draft was viewed as going to be a catalyst to record player movement 
here at the trade deadline. And now you're not the first guest we've had that started to speculate that, you know, they're going to be waiting till after the Stanley Cup playoffs are over to do whatever it is they're going to do to finalize their rosters and their, their expansion rosters. And yeah. if it's any indication, the, the early moves that there's the Patrick Eves chip fell yesterday. Um, and there's another deal with Turco, but other than that, we're not seeing any indications of, of major movements. I did see that the Shattenkirk had declined a trade that was assigned in trade with 40 something million dollars on the table. So maybe, Maybe you're right in that the expansion draft isn't going to, and the other factor I think involved in that is that there's so many teams in the East, especially, and not so much, but in the West that are within five, six points of that wild card spot that teams may be willing to stand pat and lose a piece later with a shot the you know, they still have a shot to get that playoff money. How much of the, just the fact that so many teams are still in it, is is a factor do you think going into the trade deadline did i mention that i hate the standings of the way they are earlier? You, you actually did sir <laughs> there, there is a, that's another part i am not a fan of the current system and i understand that yes it does pull teams closer together like this it does give teams maybe a little bit of, of hope or false hope or whatever you want to call it um it absolutely has a factor in this because, yeah, you, your goal is to get in the playoffs and then kind of let the chips fall as they go. So if you're only six points back, yeah, you might have a bunch of teams to climb over, but you, you start winning games and, you know, and you're, you're right in this race. So it absolutely does have a factor in this. Now, my theory on this, and again, this is just speculation at this point, I wonder – if the time leading up to the expansion draft, like right in front of it, that's when I wonder if the activity will start to pick up a lot more in terms of potential trades and moves and stuff like that. When it, we know, we'll know a lot more, we'll have a lot more information handy to us at that point in time. I just think it's a lot of wait and see at this point, just given how, you know, those that have come on record to say that the prices are just so outrageous right now, they're, they're waiting for a better opportunity, and I think that's going to happen as we approach the actual draft itself. I think you're right in that because um, it doesn't look like Vegas is going to have the paperwork done and the, and the deposits uh, put together before this trade deadline. And uh, no, I know for sure, and our previous guest, Anna Lane, hinted at it, that um, George McPhee is already taking phone calls, you know, at the rate of two almost every hour from general managers around the league, trying to get a grasp on what what he's going to do at the expansion draft. And there's always been moves with the expansion teams that if you don't take this player, we're going to have to leave him exposed. But if you don't take him, we can give you a second for future consideration. And those kinds of deals can't be finalized until Vegas has actually officially done their paperwork. So that window of time between the end of the Stanley Cup Finals and the expansion draft, I think you're right. I think that's when all of this this roster finalizing and and putting together the, the protected list, that's when you could see a big flurry of activity. And speaking of the expansion draft and the Columbus Blue Jackets at the same time, what is your expansion roster going to look like in Columbus? And what might Vegas expect to be able to pick out of your pocket for? So there's a lot. That's the thing. 
Columbus is in a situation as they are one of the youngest teams in the league that right. they're going to have to expose a good young player and actually multiple good young players. So for example, Jonas Corpusala, who's in net today, a lot, I've seen a lot of people speculate that that would be somebody that McPhee in Las Vegas would look at as a, as a young goaltender with a promising future. Um, a couple other examples of players that we feel that would probably be exposed. Josh Anderson, um, his speedster, six foot four, not afraid to get feisty, can score you some goals. He's been impressive this year. Um, Matt Calvert's another one. William Carlson is a center. I mean, that whole third right. line essentially is up for grabs. So it's really, really hard to say right now who Las Vegas might be looking at. I know for a fact, at least in the games that I've been at and, you know, reportedly Las Vegas has been at almost every Columbus game. And I think they've been mm-hmm. doing that with most of them too, but I just think it's particularly interesting because I think the, the Golden Knights are going to have a little bit of a debate on their hands of which way they want to go. I mean, it, it will depend on who else is available out there with other teams. Like it, if they're able to get, a goaltender or two that they value more than Corpus Allo, then you look at, you know, the forwards or, or vice versa. So there, this is going to be the talk going, going all the way until that point. Who are they going to take? Well, we really don't know. We just know that there's a lot of good options, and it'll be really interesting to see what their mindset and their thought is behind, you know, however they decide to uh, make that decision. Well, you, you mentioned the depth on defense and the young cats you have back there. Is it, uh, do you think they're leaning towards the, the four and four scenario or are you so deep with that third line that they're going to have to go seven and three and one of those defensemen to us? I think seven, three is what I, is what I would expect anyway. Um, and if you, if you're asking about like which defenseman, um, Warenski is not eligible. He doesn't have to be protected because of the rule about how, how long he's been a pro. So you think right. those exceptions will probably be protected. Um, Ryan Murray most likely gets protected. Now you have a decision between Jack Johnson or David Savard, um, as the, as the third one. And I, I would guess at this point they would, Hold David Savard. You know Johnson's going to be due a new contract after next season. But yeah, I, I would think that seven three and one would be the way to go. Now something to be to look out for. You know David Clarkson. We haven't talked about his name in a while because he's been on long term injured reserve the whole time. Um, will he waive his no move clause? I, I've heard reports that he would waive that so that he could be exposed. But that's something else to watch. If for some reason he decided not to do that that would be a spot that would be taken up by him and another forward gets exposed. So we'll see what happens with that. But I do believe that seven, three and one will ultimately be the way um, that Columbus goes with the draft. Well, the, the Kings fan in me and the JMFJ connection uh, is, is intriguing to me. I always like watching him play, even though he does get the, uh, get the Jack minus forever. Johnson mixed in with his other JMFJ nickname, but uh, I, I always, ever since he moved for Carter, I always, you know, keep my eye on on Jack Johnson. But you did mention Zach Wierenski, and before we let you go, I wanted to. Uh, I know we did the the draft review, and we were all pretty high on him 
Talk a little bit about Zach and, and how he's how he's doing so far, 60 games in. And could could Columbus have actually expected anything more than what they've gotten out of Zach Wierenski? Oh, I couldn't imagine so. I mean, he's really, if you take a good hard look at the numbers he's put up to this point, he's already got the rookie records for um, points, I, I, be, I believe, for um, a defenseman as well as maybe overall. I think for a defenseman for sure. But historically, some of the numbers he's put up are, are just phenomenal for a 19-year-old. Um, what he's been able to do for the Blue Jackets is just off the charts amazing. You would say when you first meet him, you would think that he's already like 22, 23 years old. He's got the maturity of someone who's been in the league for 10 years, doesn't get too high on himself, doesn't get too low on himself. He just has that certain it factor about him where he just loses leadership. I mean, I, I'm of the belief that eventually once he has a few years in the league and is off his entry-level contract, I fully expect him to be the, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He is that important. He is that good. He has that much upside. The way he's been able to not only lock down the first pairing with Seth Jones, but also transform that power play. Now, I know that they've struggled as of late. Teams have really caught on to what they've done and have adjusted well, but they were rolling the 30%, 25% for most of the season. And it's because he's, he was the one quarterback in the power play as a 19-year-old. It's completely transformed. Columbus has never seen a player like him in their franchise history. And it's only going to get better from here. And he is a huge reason why the Blue Jackets are where they're at in the standings. It's, Everything about him is just wonderful, and he's a great ambassador already. Just, I don't have enough nice things to say about him. He's just been wonderful to deal with in my time thus far. Um, just incredible. You know, that's totally all I can say. Well, I know, I know we were all really high on him coming out, and we were debating whether he should be the first defenseman taken um, overall in, in the draft. And, Certainly, you mentioned the fact that he's probably the future captain. I was reading an article getting ready for the show, and there's a point where where Tortorella had taken him off of that first power play unit, probably not so much reflective of his play, but just to change things up as the numbers started to dip, as you alluded to. And he he wasn't shy at all about going to the coach and letting him know that he wasn't happy. Um, And he did it in a, in a, you know, the right way. Uh, he didn't go to the media or anything like that. He he went and had a, a sit down talk with the coach about that. He thinks that he the team is better when he's getting uh, more more power play minutes, and he thinks that uh, you know it wasn't a selfish point of view where he, it was a leadership point of view where he was coming from. And and I wanted to get your take on on how a 19 year old kid can can step up and be that kind of a leader. And there are, you know, it's the youngest team, but there's also some veterans there and how, how that dynamic works out with the Jackets. Oh, that's a great question. I feel like that um, the veterans have even learned some things from Zach. He's had a great upbringing. I mean, I know that there's Absolutely. published articles out there and that we were in Portsline did one, um, actually not that long ago about um, just how, the, the kind of upbringing that he's had and what you know, the, the leadership that he brings. Um, that's just a reflection of who he's been around. And yeah, it's just something that oozes off him. He does things in the right way. It doesn't rub off on veterans the wrong way. 
that's a really wonderful point for someone who's as young as he is to be able to grasp that just speaks to the kind of character that he is. And I just, I love this story too, where he went up to Tortorella, you know, besides the story that you gave, he just, he, he loves to practice. He loves to get better. His desire is to get better every day. He actually asked for more practice time. So they arranged for <laughs> one of the coaches to get, cause he wants to touch the puck cause he feels more confident like that. And so he would work on the side with the coach, I believe up to an hour at a time just to get extra reps in. I mean, it, this is the, the work ethic that he brings. I, I even can argue to a point that he brings it more than some of the veterans do on that team. And Tortorella knows that. And he's actually been on record to say that I wish some veterans would look at what this kid is doing. And he's really transcended. He's just the kind of culture that they're trying to bring in in Columbus. It starts with him. And if he continues to do like that, I mean, that's what the example is going to be. It's only going to get better. Well, it's coming from Tortorella. It's way outside his box to speak of a 19-year-old rookie in in that kind of terms. So if if Tortorella is going to step up and say something like that, then you know there's a whole lot to it. So, um, we were really high on him and, and uh, looking forward to great things from Zach Wierenski in the future. Chris, you got anything else before we got to let Mark go today? No, I, I hope the Blue Jackets uh, have a great Sunday. That's, that's, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, you guys, you guys got a little head-to-head coming up here in a couple hours now. Uh, any, any, any comments on the, 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 the head-to-head against the Islanders, Mark? Well, you know what? Um, in all honesty, I'm – I'm worried for the Blue Jackets today. I have no idea what to expect today at 5 o'clock when they hit the ice. They had a good practice yesterday. They're coming off the bye. It's well documented. The team's coming off the bye. Don't do so well. The Islanders have played really well since Doug Wade has taken over. Islanders have generally had the Blue Jackets number the last few years for the most part overall. I'm not feeling too great about this, but we'll see. I mean, obviously Columbus just wants to go out and play, and you know, the Islanders are fighting for their playoff lives right now. So, you know, can Columbus match the intensity that the Islanders are going to bring coming off of a bye? Well, the answer to that question will go a long way in determining who wins. And the Islanders currently holding down the last wild card spot there in the East after, you know, it even started before Dougie Wade took over. Um, they, they had been on a nice a nice little mini run, but since then they've really taken off. And you mentioned earlier about um, so many teams being in the East, but also having to climb over so many teams to get to that last spot because the first, first, first wild card in the East is, is set. And it's not set by a specific team. It's set by how far in front of the rest of the group, uh, those, those three or four teams in that could shuffle up and down the standings and fall to that spot. But um Islanders rising right now, sir. Islanders rising. This is a uh, this is a, a tough matchup for the Blue Jackets, as you said. I just seen my Kings lose three out of four coming off the bye. So yeah, I, I, that, one quick note real, here. That's a real stat, yes, sir. One quick note about the Blue Jackets too, especially today. They're dealing with injuries now more than they have throughout the rest of the season. They're going to be without Matt Calvert week to week. They just put Lucas Sedlak on IR. So you have two starters down. You have Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's going to draw into the lineup, who's been with the AHL team most of the season, and Marcus Hanekainen, who's been up and down. 
in the lineup as well. So if you want to look at it that way, it'll be interesting to see how the Blue Jackets respond to some of the injuries now that you're dealing with. Just another little hurdle that they have to climb, especially when they're playing against a division rival like that. Chris? I have one last quick one. It's a bit of a selfish one being out here in Long Island. One of the Blue Jackets' top prospects, Sonny Milano, is from Long Island. I know uh, former first-round pick a couple years ago. Any chance he gets moved at the deadline, Mark? Hmm. Only if it's a bigger deal, which I don't expect. Um, how did the I guess the bigger question is how did the Blue Jackets feel about him? I think they're happy with his development, especially this year. The numbers don't quite bear it out, but he's a much better two-way player now than he was at the start of the year. Um, he's been handed a lot more responsibility, especially on the penalty kill, and he's actually one of the most important players for Cleveland right now. Um, I, I feel like the team just wants to get him top minutes every night. That's why we haven't seen him in the NHL yet. They want to refine his two-way game. I know he almost got traded at the deadline last year, allegedly. We really don't know if that's the case or not, but he's a little bit of a polarizing figure, If you did, depending on who you talk to. Some people feel that he is going to be a good player in the league with the skills he brings, and some feel like that um, he plays a little bit unconventional and he might not make it. It really depends. So it'll be interesting to see how the team feels about him and if the right opportunity were to come up, would he be included in a trade? I mean, there's a log jam at, at the NHL level right now, of left wingers. He's a left Milano himself is a left winger. So it's something that I'm definitely watching, Chris. That is for sure. We really don't know what could happen there. Interesting. Well, all right, Mike, thanks for, thanks for coming in. Make sure you guys follow us. Uh, Mark at THW Mark for all of his Columbus Blue Jackets articles and content. He's deep inside the Columbus Blue Jackets, and, and as you could tell from today's conversation, he's got a really good perspective on on what's going on in and around the Blue Jackets, especially as we come towards towards the playoffs. And he's not really a fan of the way the standings are set up right now, but it's going to be exciting when <laughs> they get into the playoffs. That's one thing we know for sure watching the Blue Jackets play. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a yeah, pleasure, Mark, guys. Thanks for having me. We yes, hope to have uh, you I, back for our annual uh, mock draft show, which you participated in last year. So hopefully we can make that work. Yeah, well. um, looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Have a good afternoon. All right, Christopher, that's going to that's gonna wrap us up for this week. We struggled through, and I think we put together some good Blue Jackets content, at, if, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you know he's, uh, he's got a real pulse on the team and uh, and uh, top to bottom because he also covers uh, the Blue Jackets prospects and prospects in, in general as a whole. So uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see what I'm starting to believe too that uh, you know at this point you're going to see Thomas Vanek move, uh, you're going to see Patrick Sharp move, you're probably going to see Johnny Oduya move as long as he's healthy. Um, you'll see. Uh, uh, what's going to enhance this move out in Arizona? I'm not sure. I haven't heard much about Shane Doan, which is interesting. Maybe he just wants to retire and say he spent his whole career in Arizona. I'm not sure how that will play out. But I don't think you're going to see uh, – I don't think you're going to see really those, – those are going to be the highlighted names between now and the deadline at 3 o'clock, I believe. Yeah, I, and all the talks about around Shattenkirk, but I don't know. And Shattenkirk, right. I don't, I don't know if that's going to come down or not. Um, 
I'm starting to. I'm starting well, to. Feel, it, I mean, I if, if, if Pittsburgh buy, calls, I think, yeah, I think a team will buy to and offer them a good package. I mean, or a strong package. Strong package meaning uh, in terms of a rental. Uh, but right. uh, the question is, uh, will St. Louis then sell? I mean, it's 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 uh, it's a dilemma for them to say to say the least. Well, all right. What's on tap with the Vegas Hockey Podcast next week? We got Anthony Pagliarulo of uh, the Hockey Writers, first-time guest. Been trying to get him on, uh, talk about the Boston Bruins and the crazy Atlantic division. I mean, if you realize, Mark, I believe uh, the top five teams in the Atlantic are separated by just six points going into today. So, uh, yeah, many things. Montreal has, Montreal has squandered their 10-point lead, sir. Yeah, they're at 72 going into today. Ottawa's at 70. I think Toronto's at 68. Boston's at 68. And Florida's at 66. And and Buffalo and Tampa are not that far behind at 62. In fact, Buffalo, I believe, this weekend plays at Arizona and out Colorado. I mean, two games that if they're going to be part of this discussion, they have to win. So if they can take care of business, all of a sudden, by the end of the weekend, they could be at 66 points. So... Um, yeah, it's 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 a really uh, uh, up for grabs uh, division to say the least. So that'll be good. That'll be good insight talking with Vinny next week. Um, I know we've got a few things coming up in the couple weeks after that. I'm still trying to put something together with Matt Robinson off Tall Can Radio, and I've been on his show a couple times talking Vegas hockey. So since Ottawa is now closing in and who knows by the time we talk to him may have taken over first place in that division. It'll be a time of conversation where if we can put something together, a good stuff on tap for us coming up soon. Um, I got to run. We're, we're running out of time here. Final thoughts, Chris. Now that's it. We'll keep in touch about the deadline and uh, don't forget uh, probably towards the end of March, we're going to do our, we're going to do our first crack of an expansion show. So that should be fun as well. Yep, yep. Well, um, I think we should both pop open the planmyteam.com website, and yep. and that'll be a good template for us to use. The guys over there really have a good product together. So if anyone if anyone's looking to do some uh, mock expansion drafts, uh, you can't find a better site to put one together than planmyteam.com. So we'll pop that open. We'll go around the league, and we'll see what kind of roster we can come up with. But uh, that's coming up in in March there, and that's corner so until then for chris on mark and we're gone